Welcome to the first episode of American Schizo. Ah! Sorry, I just I had to get that out and I had to convey to you emotionally how I feel right now. Um, yeah, so this is the first episode of this podcast. Um, I try to do I'm gonna try to do these on one take for the sake of transparency, which is terrifying and makes me nervous but i think it's also rewarding kind of like skydiving um so it is a tuesday may 3rd um 10 a.m pacific standard time it's taurus season yes it's the time to appreciate the earth the material world and all of its beauty it's the time to love the time to indulge um, the time to be comfortable. So hug your neighbor. Uh, fuck the earth. Um, not in a hateful way, but in a loving way, of course. Um, ejaculate. Eat chocolate. Love something larger than yourself because it is Taurus season, bitches, okay? Um, I personally am a Taurus. Um, also, I'm going to try not to reveal too much information about myself. I'm going to remain anonymous, um, but I will reveal that I am a Taurus. Um, so, and, and I guess this podcast is a Taurus. And also, if you're listening for some reason and you're also not into astrology, um, try to have an open mind. I don't know. I think astrology is kind of real. I notice patterns. I, I Like, if astrology isn't real, then, like, why is why are Gemini's like that? Like, I know people have said that kind of joke verbatim, but, like, it's true. Like, literally, why? Like, there are similarities between people who have the same, you know, birthday or who were born around the same time. It just happens. Why that's the case, I don't know. So, and here in American Schizo, we're about opening our minds, right, um, to more than just what meets the eye, more than what, you know, your teacher tells you or your parents tell you or your pastor tells you or fucking, you know, the president tells you. All right. We're about intuition. We're about feeling. We're about knowledge. We're about humor. We're about a lot of things here at American Schizo. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Um, typically, what I what I or typically i mean this is my first episode so i'll say what i want to do with this podcast is kind of discuss uh, current events um and mainly with a political kind of air to uh them so i guess i'll just get into it um i don't know first thing on the docket current event is the Met gala which i know you're probably like oh like who gives a fuck i'm not gonna spend too much time on it really like not at all um but i just have to acknowledge it because it's something that happened right so Mecca happened. The theme was like America, a lexicon in fashion or something, which I thought last year was America. I guess it was a different side to America. I don't know. Um, I guess I don't know why the the Met is trying to 
get us into America. Maybe the the elites are feeling like or realizing how much like American citizens hate this fucking place or, or dissatisfied. I don't know. Who knows? But America was the theme again. And um, yeah, it was weird. It was weird. I looked at the outfits. Um, Emily Radajowski, the model um, and an author, I should say. She did write a book. Good for her. Um, her dress was fucking crazy. It looked Party City. Olivia Rodrigo looked Party City as well, like a sequin thing. I saw a lot of sequins. Um, Bad Bunny was interesting. Okay, he he had this like wig on that was sort of giving like black auntie. So it was kind of like, what are we doing here? Um, but he had this like khaki colored ensemble he had like a blazer with like these high shoulders very much like founding father genocidal racist kind of vibes so i guess that's good i don't know i guess that was the goal um and then he had like this sort of like khaki dress and then like knee-high socks and wingtips um which was interesting um it was definitely interesting and it wasn't in a totally bad way so i don't know um, but that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, yeah, over over and out with that. Um, the next thing I want to talk about, and this is more substantive and I think more important. Um, it definitely is. Um, it was recently Earth Day, April 22nd. Um, and someone uh, self-immolated in front of the Supreme Court uh, building. Um, his name... Do, 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 was when Bruce, um, he was a Buddhist. Um, I didn't read like the full article on him, but I know that he was a Buddhist and this is something that he had been planning for a while of uh, this self-immolation. Um, and apparently a lot of his neighbors didn't know that he was planning it, including the neighbor who actually drove him to the Supreme Court um, building which, like, that's got to be crazy if you're, like, that neighbor, you know, um, you've got to feel responsible. Um, I don't know if there were any attempts to implicate that neighbor or anything, um, but either way, um, apparently he, his, uh, one of his mentors in Buddha's faith um, took to Twitter or Facebook, I forgot, and said, like, yes, when Bruce... Um, I knew him. He was an amazing person. He had been planning this for a while. And apparently Bruce also um, responded to a post on Facebook with like a flame emoji, a, a post on Facebook about climate change with like a, a flame emoji and um, the date April 22nd. So he was, I think it's safe to say he was planning this. Um, Self-immolation is something that is apparently, um, I, I, I recently learned this, is pretty common i guess or sort of common among like buddhist people i think it's something that's happened in the past i think one person and i hate that i forgot their name but they apparently self-immolated um in protest against like vietnam war or something um but either way i i think that that's incredibly noble um and yeah i mean look the earth is dying um recently climate scientists 
came out and said that we have like three years unless we make changes. I don't want to, well, I was going to say I don't want to be sensationalist or doom or doomerist, but I am sort of a doomer. Um, I think uh, I'm a realist. Okay. And reality says that there's not too much to be like happy about, um, and to be, and to feel, um, positive about if I'm being real, honestly. Um, but yeah, I don't, it's, I totally see that climate change is, is a, a real thing. Um, that's what I believe. Um, but, you know, here at American Suitso, again, we like to embrace a lot of uh, different ways of thinking. We like to keep our minds open. So who knows? Like, I might in the future talk about conspiracy theories um, that suggest that climate change is being overblown or something. But as far as I know, uh, I really like the Earth. And I think it's very apparent that changes are happening um, that are negative, And it's due to... Uh, global warming and in a lot of ways it's due to um us humans and our treatment of the natural environment so i mean that's you're probably like duh so i don't want to be like too trite but either way um i just wanted to bring some attention to this person win bruce um definitely a very noble cause in my opinion and it just is sad that he had he was brought to that point but um you know, that I guess it is the severity of um, our time right now. It's, it's severe. It's a severe risk that climate change poses. Um, and in a lot of ways, us humans have failed um, this planet. So that is that. So thank you, Win Bruce. Um, next thing on the docket is, oh, okay. So this is fairly recent news um, as of, again, Tuesday morning. Um, so, well, I'll just for some context. Um, so Republicans, they hate abortion, right? Like we all know that Roe v. Wade um, is a court precedent that was set in like 1973, I believe, that basically um, from that point to now has protected abortion rights um, federally um, among the entire country. Um, and Republicans have been threatening to like, reverse Roe v. Wade because, you know, they hate abortion, right? So so in recent news, apparently um, a document was leaked um, just in the last 24 hours um, that was some sort of like court opinion piece that was written by Justice Samuel Alito, um, more conservative aligned. Um, and basically that document said that um, the Supreme Court justices as a collective have decided to reverse Roe v. Wade um, five to four. Now, apparently that this is something that court justices do where they write like a mock-up of like what, it, that's what it's called. It's called like an opinion deliberation or something like that where a court justice will just sort of sum up what everyone's thinking, um, what the majority is. Um, oftentimes when the actual, actual vote occurs, um, court justices will change their minds and stuff like that. So this deliberation that says that they will vote to reverse Roe v. Wade may not actually be true in like June or July when they will actually likely vote and publish their decision. But it's still very like, you know, daunting and, um, you know, crazy that, that, well, I, I don't want to be too biased, but I will say that a lot of people feel that it's 
very bad and very concerning that um, the justices have decided to reverse Roe v. Wade. Um, and yeah, so, and I also, so that's something that happened. And I do want to kind of uh, segue into a recent Ohio abortion law um, that apparently will outlaw, um, it'll, it'll outlaw abortion and it won't have any protection for women who were who have a baby due to rape um which is like well here here's what I'll do I'm just going to play a video um it's actually TikTok that shows a little debate between two lawmakers um regarding the bill and we're just going to play it and we'll, then we'll talk about it so here it is my understanding is this bill, if it becomes law, has no rape except, exception. So under this bill, if a 13-year-old girl, let's say, was raped by a serial rapist, broke into her house, or maybe more likely raped by uh, uh, a family member, which occurs frequently, unfortunately, uh, this bill would require this 13-year-old to carry this felon's fetus to term regardless of any emotional or psychological damage or trauma that may be inflicted upon this 13-year-old girl to deliver this felon's fetus. Is that right? Through the chair. Rape is a difficult issue, and it emotionally scars the individual. All are in part for the rest of their life, just as child abuse does. But if a baby is created, it is a human life. And whether that mother ends that pregnancy or not, the scars will not go away. Period. It is a shame that it happens. But there's an opportunity for that woman, no matter how young or old she is, to make a determination about what she's going to do to help that life be a productive human being she can choose to raise the child she can choose to give that child to a loving family member or to give it to someone else and that child can grow up and be something magnificent a wonderful family person a cure cancer etc this is not about keeping abortion alive. This is about keeping the mother alive. And just because you have emotional scars doesn't give you the right, right to take the life. Okay, so I don't know the names of those politicians or whatever, but um, so that's certainly interesting, I'll say. Um, I will say that I think that lawmaker, that Republican lawmaker who responded to the initial question, I think she kind of has a point that, yeah, like, okay, um, although the situation is incredibly morbid, right, we've got a 13-year-old girl who was raped and now has a baby from that situation, um, now she has to take care of it. That's a very morbid situation, but that Republican lawmaker is right in the sense that, yeah, she does have a choice to make something of the situation. 
she can decide to give the baby away for adoption. She can decide to raise it. Um, and being able to abort that baby will not change that the fact that she was raped. That is true. Um, which is why, personally, I guess, I don't know. I think um, my stance on abortion is people should have the right to choose. Um, and But I, I don't know if I agree personally with like the act of killing a fetus um but i'm also uh, a man <laughs> so that's not really something that i really have to think about in my opinion doesn't really take precedent over that of most women i'll, I'll say that um but i but my main issue is i think that abortion to me is such a waste of time when it comes to like an issue to argue over and to have deliberations over and like, you know, debate over and spend tax dollars, you know, and tax dollar a lot of time to like, you know, pass laws for like, who, who cares? It, it's just not a pressing issue in my opinion, you know, and America has sacrificed so many lives in the names, in the name of its sovereignty um, overseas through geopolitical conflicts and a lot of those those decisions um, internationally like were bipartisan meaning like both sides of the political spectrum came together and agreed to like continue the gears of the military industrial complex and whatnot so given all of that I just I think it's such it's so stupid to like have this debate because it it's just not a, a huge issue to me. And so, yeah, is that, was that lady right in saying that, yeah, a woman can, like, make something, can turn this terrible situation into some positive thing. Yes, that baby can go on to cure cancer or whatnot. But, like, it, that that is very true. But, like, why do you have to spend time trying to outlaw abortion? Like, just allow people to choose it. Because I, I, I honestly don't think there's any, like, trashy like hoe who's like yeah i'm gonna fuck and then just get abortions like as a hobby like i just love getting pregnant and like you know getting my fetus like fucking zoot you know killed or whatever like i i doubt that people really are out there doing that so it, it's just not it's a non-issue it's really a non-issue and um yeah, so that's that's that, and so you know, back going back to this whole Roe v. Wade, Roe v. Roe versus Wade, oh my God, situation, like it it is um, concerning to me that of all of the I think issues to spend time on, like I don't know, raising minimum wage or forgiving student loan, maybe that'd be dope, or at least like restructuring student loans, you know, um, we're 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 having deliberations, we're having votes on fucking abortion, like abortion. And so that leads to my an, another topic or my next question, which is like, why do Republicans care about abortion? Now, a lot of people have their, their answers, like for most, most Americans think it's like, or we'll say most liberals are like, oh, it's because, you know, Republicans are patriarchal and like Puritan and they're, you know, Christian or whatever. And they, 
you know, want to control women's bodies. They're misogynistic and whatnot. And, um, okay, yeah, and that, that might be the case, but I, I honestly don't know. I think, I honestly think that politicians, even the ones who seem really stupid, I think they're actually pretty smart. Um, just, they're really crafty and good at making you think that they're stupid. Like a lot of Republicans, like like Marjorie Taylor Johnson even, like, or excuse me, Marjorie Taylor Greene, the crazy like conspiracy lady or whatever. Like, I think honestly, like she's probably kind of smart. She's just playing a role to like kind of pander to like the QAnon side of conservatives, you know, um, and, re- and absorb that extremism to like the Republican whole or whatever. But so in the case of a lot of these, you know, lawmakers who were like adamantly opposed to abortion, I honestly think their motivation is just their constituency. Like that is like the people who vote for them. They just know that in order to stay in office, they have to like contribute to the, I don't know, conservative Jesus cults, uh, industrial complex or something like they've got to keep that going right um they've got to play to the fears of like conservative christian white america i personally don't think that like say mitch mcconnell the 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 republican final boss like i doubt that he really like loses sleep at night over like babies or like fetuses dying like i really don't think he cares about the morality of it even trump who um, when he was president was saying how he was against abortion and wanted to overturn Roe v. Wade and whatnot. Like, I don't think Trump really gives a fucking shit about the saving like babies' lives. And I also but I also don't think that he personally cares about the whole like um Christian side to it, like the the morality and and I don't even like he is a misogynist, like that's pretty clear mr grab him by the pussy but i don't know like maybe this is this is um sort of uh naive to think but i don't really think he gives a shit if women like have abortions or not like i i think he just said that he was against abortion and i think this is the case with a lot of other republican lawmakers i think they're just saying that they're against abortion again to just like get votes you know and just stir the pot you know, and I guess it doesn't really matter why these Republicans uh, say what they say, because either way, the effect is the same, regardless of why they oppose abortion or they say they do. The effect is the same. And that is, you know, the rights of um, women, are, they're being limited and women's bodies are being uh, systemically and I guess physically constricted. Um, and then of course we have the liberal outrage, you know, oh my gosh, the handmaid's tale, like the whole idea of like the handmaid's tale book becoming popular, like when Trump was elected, I, and I, I just don't know if I buy that sort of liberal outrage where like, oh, we're going to go back to like Puritan times. I don't, I don't think Republicans want that. Like, and I'm saying Republican lawmakers. Like, I don't think they really want that. I really think what their job is is to just stir the pot. It's just to incite conservative, like, religious outrage, and fulfill their side of the political spectrum. And then the 
Democrats or like the left will take up the other side. And it's just like this constant tug of war. And it's that tug of war that I think is what characterizes the American political system. And that, and I think that's how it's at this point is how it's supposed to work because, you know, you don't get views on the news and you don't get, you know, outrage and votes and, you know, interesting, engaging stories when America is agreeing. So that's why I don't feel like Republican lawmakers actually want to like win or like actually want their like Puritan Jesus cult, like, you know, um, utopia. And, and I think that's an important thought experiment to do, to actually think like, okay, look at each side and think about the America that, like, think of the perfect America in which they had their way. So in the case of Republicans, I guess the perfect America, according to them, would be um, like Jesus is president or something. I don't know, like, and then white people, I, I, I just picture, like, pristine suburbs, like, own, and white people are in them, and they have their, like, green grass, their, like, artificial, weird-ass, like, grassy lawns that all are, like, the same hue that look like poorly rendered Sims games or something like that, um, and, like, they're a fucking dog or something. And I'm thinking like Nixon, like sixties, like yes, America, like Nuketown or some shit like that. Like, I guess that's what Republicans want. Um, and then all the black people and like all of the people of color are pushed to like inner cities or some shit or something. And everyone's like, it's like, Oh, I know what it is. It's like Truman show or something. Like, I guess that's what Republicans want. Like the fucking Truman show. Like, Hey there, how's it going? You read the news? By golly, da da da. Like that's, I guess that's what Republicans want. Um, and yeah, and like all women are like, like every girl and like woman wears the same thing and like doesn't like is like very pure and doesn't have thoughts or something. Like I guess that I guess that's what Republicans want, and that doesn't seem realistic at all. Like, you know, and again, I know like liberals want to like be outraged and they want to be like, but, 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 but like handmaid's tale. And like, I don't know, like they're going to take over Republicans and we're losing our rights. Like I, I get that, 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 that outrage is very easy to buy into, but I just don't think that that America is ever going to emerge. It's just, you know, it's not going to happen, especially because you have like, you know, because if we really think about the American political system, like, I think most politicians are shills for, like, corporate interests. I think, and I don't think that's that outrageous to, like, <laughs> say, you know, but for some of my maybe more, I don't know, naive viewers or, like, positive thinking viewers, maybe they need their hand held. So, yeah, uh, just so you know, like corporations kind of run this shit like not really the politicians just you know putting that out there um and so if that's the case right like i don't think it's in those corporations best interests to have an america where like the republicans have their way like that truman show america like how are they gonna sell sex to you like how are they gonna sell you know 
the whole like gay thing to you, you know, and I guess it's important to mention another uh, factoid about me is I identify as queer. Like I'm gay. I'm an F word, a Charlie XCX, lay the house down. Like, you know, um, but I do kind of roll my eyes at the whole like corporate pandering to like queer people and gay people and whatnot. Like, you know, um, but that being said, like if Republicans get their way, how will those corporations like make money off of like, you know, people, you know what I, you know what I mean? So that's, that's my thing is I think that the Republican America is not going to happen and it's not going to work. It's not going to become a real thing, but it still is fucking annoying though that they keep on sort of, cause like the way I see it is Democrats are in like a fast moving car or just the left is in a fast moving car and the Republicans have their hands at the back and they're like trying to kind of slow it down, but their feet are being dragged, you know? Um, and every once in a while the car will like stop and be like, Oh God, this fucking like annoying ass is weighing me down. Um, but you know, it's still, it's still moving. The car's still moving to the left. It's still, you know, um, and so that's why I don't think the Republicans would get their way. Um, the Democrats, though, what America do the Democrats want? And this is where I think, actually, to sort of contradict myself, I guess, is where that moving fast-moving car analogy doesn't really work because the American capital D Democratic Party is actually, again, this might sound pretty trite, but to our less informed listeners, this is important. The American Democratic Party is pretty, like, conservative in, like, an international context. Like, Democrat in Germany, Democrat in, like, other parts of Europe, or liberal, I should say, in Europe, is not the same as, like, an American liberal. But on average, like, Democrats are pretty... Um, conservative in the sense that they're very capitalistic a lot of american democrats do not like poor people or or harbor like biases against poor people um a lot of people who voted for biden are actually pretty um traditional and pretty i guess conservative like i guess lower um lowercase c conservative um and and really what the mainstream american political spectrum the way it works, the political show, the way it works is that you have basically both sides being very uber capitalist. It's just that Democrats will pander to certain, you know, surface level things like race. I mean, obviously, race is incredibly important. Um, it impacts your experience in this country. But the way a lot of Democrats pander to it is in a very social, very surface level sense. It goes without saying um, sexuality you know, Democrats are just like, yay, like, I'm, I'm nice, I'm polite, you know, you black queer people, you immigrants or whatever, you Mexicans, like, we'll be nice to you, whatnot, whereas Republicans get to be, like, the bad guys, right, like, they get to be the you know bad hombres say stuff like that or like you know they get to be openly racist they get to be bad the bad guys and we're supposed to look at the democrats as like the good guys you know and so there's like this constant just 
power shifts from the polite, you know, the polite guy, the polite good guy who never gets anything done, the Democrat, and then it shifts to him, and then it shifts back to, like, the stupid, overweight, like, no disrespect in that, into, like, I'm not trying to be fat phobic, but, like, it is interesting how, like, visually they're in, like, like, visually or um, characteristically, like, there's always something very eccentric and stupid about, like, Republicans, like, at least in the past couple of terms, like, Trump, Bush, like, Bush is, like, the dumb hick, like, you know, that's his stereotype, and then Trump is, like, just the melting, like, tanned Florida trash looking, like, you know, like, so that's, that's how the spectrum works, right? It's, like, the stupid guy and, like, the polite guy, the stupid guy who surprisingly has so much fucking power, and then, like, the fucking, like, polite guy who doesn't get anything done, right? Because if we're being honest, like, we, we, like, the story goes, the liberals, what they wanted in 2020 was, like, for us to vote for Biden to stop, you know, they were, they were looking at the leftists, at the Bernie supporters and saying, stop, you know, making us lose elections, you know, vote for Biden, he's safe, he's gonna get this country back on track, right? And so we were supposed to buy into that. We were also supposed to buy into the fact that, like, you know, Democrats controlling Congress would mean that we're going to get our way and the world will be saved. And, you know, Vice President token Kamala Harris will, you know, break the tie or whatever. So if that were the case, then like, why is it that Biden hasn't drafted a law that would like protect women's rights for abortion? If if Democrats control Congress, if we have a, a Democratic president, like, why can't they do that? You know, so that's why I just feel like at this point, the way it works is that it's a constant like tug of war and well, and you're like, OK, duh, obviously. But but what I'm saying is that that is how I think it's supposed to work at this point. It's supposed to be a constant, just chaotic tug of war where Republicans stir the pot and the Democrats um, incite their outrage and incite outrage. Democrats incite liberal outrage and Republicans incite conservative outrage and nothing really changes substantively. Americans continue to work their wage jobs and Bezos gets richer and Elon gets richer and, you know, that that's that's America. And so right now, the surface level hot topic is abortion, right? We just got done with Don't Say Gay. We just got done with critical race theory. That was those were the other two hot topics, which are just so stupid when you think about it. Like critical race theory. Let's just educate white people on the history of racism. It's so fucking simple. But nope, nope, conservatives to conservatives, it's it means we everybody hates white people. It means white people have to feel guilty and and white people suck. Like that's that's what they feel is synonymous to critical race theory. It's that's ridiculous, but you know, of course, of course they think that. Of course they do, and of course it's a job of Republican lawmakers to, you know, perpetuate that sentiment. In the case of "Don't Say Gay," it's like, you know, in in fact, that bill was called like the Parental Rights and Education Act. Most of the um, like provisions of that bill were really just about like. 
allowing parents to have more say and more control over how their kids are educated. For instance, one was like, if a child is has a change in their mental health disposition or whatnot, then that counselor is required to tell the parent, right? And that's not a huge deal, but I guess when maybe the child has say gender dysphoria or something and the household is very like traditional and like not sympathetic at all to queer people um that would be really bad if that child had to be essentially told on you know um and that's what's unfortunate about the republican mindset is it's all about the family this like this sort of uh abstract idea of the family and tradition. But the thing is, is that sometimes the home or sometimes the family is not the safest place for a child, right? It just isn't. Um, and there's this one guy who took to Twitter. I hate that I forgot his name. And I'm kind of going, I'm leaving the docket and I'm, I'm going to wrap this up soon. I hope you're still with me. Um, but there was some guy who wrote a thread on Twitter. I will put it in the description for this episode. I will find that guy. But he made this whole thread basically saying how like um it's the job of the left to disrupt the family with these you know with like gender and sexuality being taught to kids and whatnot and he basically described the scenario where like the child is led astray by these leftist like liberal ideologies and ideas of gender and sexuality and then because of him being that child being led astray the parent then rejects that child um and then therefore there's this fission um within the family and the family is disrupted and the luciferian like leftist agenda wins or whatnot over the family and like through all of that he's completely forgetting that like that parent does not have to reject that child like that parent can just choose love and just say like yeah, I get that you're queer. I get that you're you having you're experiencing gender dysphoria. I'm gonna educate myself. I'm gonna even though I may not understand you, I'm gonna choose to love you and like accept you regardless, right? So that scenario that that guy was describing with that Twitter thread doesn't even have to occur if those traditional if those traditionalist parents decide to just like love their fucking kid, you know. So anyways, that's my rant about republicanism, I guess. Um, but either way, it's unfortunate what's happening with abortion. Um, and I mean that in the sense that it's unfortunate that Republicans continue to just waste fucking time and resources and tax dollars over stupid ass shit like what women can do with their bodies. Like, let's um let's forgive student loan debt, okay? Because I got some bills to pay, all right? Okay, so the next thing on the docket is Elon Musk buying Twitter. Now, I kind of failed, you guys, because I was supposed to like read an article or some shit about it. Um, I don't know all the details, but what I do know, I do know some details, and that is I don't know if Elon buying Twitter is such a huge deal. Like, obviously, I, don't, I personally don't like Elon. I think he's a fucking prick. I think he's fucking stupid. Um... His online presence is so just pathetic, in my opinion. Like, he's, I think, like, 50 or something. 
40 to 40 to 50 years old and tweets like a fucking 13 year old band kid like it's just so fucking cringe recently um aoc tweeted something at him i don't i don't know i didn't look at the full conversation i don't know how it started but she tweeted something at him and then he responds um oh god what did he say he's like stop flirting me stop flirting with me i'm shy you know with like a blushing emoji it's like okay i guess that's like his sort of you know witty kind of reply and whatnot um even when bernie was like hey rich people should be taxed proportionally to their wealth like let's make sure rich people pay their fair share elon responds i keep on forgetting you're still alive like okay that's like a really good burn you know like that's a good one but it's so fucked up and like immature you know again like 40 to 50 year old man billionaire but he has twitter fingers and he's like saying shit like i hate pronouns you know or talking shit about public transit, you know, saying, oh, you never know who's going to be on public transit. The guy you're sitting next to could be like a murderer. You know, we, I like public transit sucks. Like he's just so out of touch. But then you think about it and you realize that he's a fucking billionaire. Like they all kind of suck anyway. Right. Like, but I would just, I would just hope that like, I, I just would think, you know, you would have a better sense of like priorities and perspective and not be so stupid and dense, but no, he is dense. He is stupid. And that that's just who he is, I guess. Um, but anyways, yeah. So he, I guess he bought Twitter. At one point it was like, he secured a deal to buy Twitter. And then I saw an article saying that he didn't, that he's likely not going to buy Twitter. And then now I'm seeing articles that he has officially bought Twitter. So, Let's just say that he did buy Twitter um, for like $84 billion or some shit like that. Um, yeah, so I looked at an article that talked about like some of his um, goals for Twitter. He wants to attack like Twitter bots, I guess, um, that sort of inflate the metrics for a lot of people, likes and comments and whatnot. Okay, I guess it's not bad. Um, I guess the most cons potentially concerning thing is like um, he wants to unsay he do he doesn't want to censor content as much, so that can kind of sound like a you know another way of saying like allow for more bigotry and Trumpism or whatnot, um, which like okay I guess we'll just have to see right I don't know. Um, another provision, which I'm not a huge techie person, so I don't know the implications of this, but uh, it's worth mentioning that one of them is he wants to make the like, um, he wants to make the like framework for the app like public. He wants to like publicize it so that I guess anybody can like edit it. Sorry, guys, I forgot the like tech lingo or whatever, but I guess like maybe in the same way of like Wikipedia kind of like making it really open source or something like he wants to make Twitter more open source in like a back end context. So I don't know, I guess that's leaving it open to China or like Russia or whatever, who knows. Um, but all I know is, is that Twitter has never been a fairly positive place to be. Um, so I don't know how worse it can really get. So that's that. But either way, fuck you, Elon. I hate you. 
Um, next, I want to talk about the Nicolas Cage movie, pivoting to something more positive, I guess. Um, Nicolas Cage, Nicolas Cage. I've only seen three movies, no, four movies with him now. It was Raising Arizona when I was way too fucking young. I don't know why my mom let me see that. Um, she also let me watch Pulp Fiction when I was like eight or nine, so I guess I shouldn't be surprised, whatever. Um, I need to rewatch Raising Arizona though, because I remember liking it, but I was too young to get all the subtleties. Um, I saw um, uh, Wild at Heart. I'm a huge David Lynch fan. Um, that was... It was just Lynchian. Like, you can't really... His, his movies are in a world of their own. I, I can't really expand too much on it. Um, but it was pretty good. Um, and then National Treasure, some shit. And then now this movie, which... Um, yeah, I completely forgot what it's called. Sorry. It's like a really long title. It's like the consequences of success or some shit like that. But it's with Pedro Pascal also. He's such a fucking cutie. Um, I just... I have to admit, like, he's the cutest love him to death i want to give him a hug um but it was overall like it was it was fun it was a feel-good movie um it was a little cringe at times there were moments where like so basically what it's about is like nicholas cage plays himself he's a struggling kind of washed up actor who his family's crumbling and he's in debt so he's looking for like another big break to like save himself and he gets this job where some like millionaire in Mallorca um, just wants to wants to like host him, I guess, and wants him to talk at some event or something. And the pay is like a million dollars. So he's so desperate for money, he takes it. And later he finds out that this millionaire um, is actually super, is like a huge fan of Nicolas Cage. I guess this is sort of getting in the spoiler territory. Uh, I'm going to try to keep it subtle, um, but... He finds out that like the millionaire is a huge Nicolas Cage fan and actually wants to make a movie starring Nicolas Cage. Um, so that's all I'll say. So it's kind of cute. Um, yeah, I the I guess sort of communist in me is like it's sort of rich people propaganda. I don't know. Um, but there were moments where like Nicolas Cage was sort of struggling with his like prior self like his younger more successful self and they showed that by literally having like him talk to a cgi version of himself at moments in the movie and the cgi was just really terrible and i don't know how they did that but like whoever did his voice i guess it was nicholas cage himself who was voicing that cgi version of himself but either way like the voice is so weird and like so cringe and i don't know but overall like it was fun i laughed a couple times whatever um also important to mention about Nicolas Cage now a lot of people people don't know that he is like a nepotism child well I guess most people do know he's like I think the grandson of like Francis Ford Coppola um and Nicolas Cage is, I don't know if he's a grandson don't quote me on that but he's related to him um a couple of a couple of people removed and um his Nicholas Cage's real last name is Coppola, but he changed his name, I guess. Um, but he, um, what was I even going to say? Sorry, guys. Um, I guess what I'll say is that Nicholas Cage has an Asian fetish. He does. Um, that's not slander. Well, it might still be considered slander, but from what I see, he has an Asian fetish. He actually recently got married to this like young um, Asian woman. She's really beautiful. She's like 27. He's like 40 something, I think. 
um she's like a model or something um but then his he's been married three times including this new wife and the past two wives were asian as well um and in the movie so in the movie he has like an ex-wife and they have a kid together the ex-wife is white the kid is white um and the ex-wife in the movie apparently the story is that like they met on set for one of his movies and she was like a makeup artist i found out that like his last wife was also a makeup artist so i guess it was loosely the movie was loosely based off of or i should say his relationship with his wife in the movie was like based off of that wife but like he whitewashed it i guess because he doesn't want it to be known that he has an asian fetish but we know nicholas you have an asian fetish and you know you could be addicted to crack so i guess like here's a round of applause for not being addicted to crack good for you i guess um having an asian fetish i guess is not the worst thing you could do but it is kind of like i don't know sort of icky especially when you marry people who are like younger than you it's kind of giving like american ethno tourist like in south asia it's kind of giving that so um yeah i guess slay um what's next on the docket i'm looking at the wrong thing okay oh another movie i saw was the north man the north man um i have been an eggers fan since the witch his um feature film debut um i love the witch i love the folklore i love how he I think Eggers is a Jungian at heart. I think he likes these sort of archetypes, these traditional concepts of like good and evil and how they're manifested and religious faith and stuff like that. In the witch, he was tackling like Puritanism versus like, well, the devil, I guess, like evil. Very simple kind of uh, dichotomy there. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy was in that movie she was amazing i think that was like a really early movie for her that put her on the map she's she really is like she's so hyped but she is really slay like she is really really good and i think she's incredibly talented so i love the witch and so um north man was another movie by eggers um it also starred on taylor joy um alexander skarsgård was the lead um yeah it, it it was incredibly immersive, um, just like The Witch. It really brought us into that time period of the Vikings. The movie took place in Iceland for the most part. Um, and I don't know the other places that it was shot. like, But it was supposed to take place in Iceland. And it looked beautiful. Frozen lakes, volcanoes. Um, there were weird like pagan rituals. It was a very deeply esoteric film, I think. Um, basically, it was about a young Viking king who, um, after receiving some sort of blood oath with his father, who was the, or excuse me, sorry, a young Viking prince, young Nordic prince, um, after receiving some sort of blood oath with his father, who was king, um, he swore to avenge his father upon death and what do you know shortly after that ritual um the king dies um at the hand of 
um, his brother. So we're kind of having like Lion King slash Hamlet vibes of like this prince who essentially has to like try to avenge his father's death at the hand of his uncle. Um, so that's what happens. And, you know, it's just about his quest to like fulfill that, that oath to avenge his father. Um, which is really interesting when you think about it because basically we know the entire plot of the movie very early on. It's like, cause that's, that's not really a spoiler. Like it's pretty clear very early on in the movie that he has to avenge his father. And it's almost as if it was like foretold, like that was his fate. And, um, and it's actually not almost as if that is actually a huge theme of the movie that fate, um, the idea that you kind of know what you're the, the, um, progression of your life what the progression of your life is going to be and before it really even begins um and it's and it was a really interesting way of thinking about things um because i don't know back then life was really different for those vikings um they were courageous fighters till death they all believed that if they fought with honor they would go on to um, populate the halls of Valhalla, which is, um, I guess, controlled by the god of war, Odin. Um, and so if you, like, are a Viking warrior or whatever, and you fought with honor, you will be carried by a spirit called a Valkyrie, which is like a woman on a winged horse, I guess. And she will fly you up to Valhalla, which is like the heaven for viking warriors um and then all those viking warriors in valhalla will um they will come back and fight during like the nordic kind of revelation i guess like i don't know all the details of it but either way it's deeply spiritual and very interesting way to think about life like not fearing death and knowing that you will die but while you have breath in your lungs, you must fight and fight for what you believe in and like, you know, protect your honor, protect your pride or whatnot. So it was really beautiful. The scenery was amazing. The acting was amazing. The character of uh, the, um, the costume design was amazing. It was such an immersive film. And honestly, like, I think I want to watch it again. It was just so beautiful and i'm not i've never even really been into like viking shit like i've not you know i'm black like i'm not really into like norse pagan shit it's funny because like i feel like norse pagans are like the hoteps of white people like <laughs> you see norse pagans on like tiktok and on the internet and they're just like so muscular and unfortunately in some situations that goes hand in hand with like alt-right and like white nationalism or something which actually someone did write an article about the northman and said that like it was it had like white supremacist sentiments or like it it failed to i guess change that perception of like um norse paganism going hand in hand with like white nationalism but i think that's bullshit like it's one of those things where it's like it depends on the person like there's nothing inherently white nationalist about um vikings and like norse paganism um it's just that you have a bunch of white men who are like led astray and who are already like white supremacists and 
kind of appropriate the Norse pagan and Viking um, perspective on like honor and sovereignty and like strength and whatnot. They appropriate those ideals for a white nationalist sentiment, basically, which uh, again, that's kind of try it like, duh. Um, but either way, like I didn't sense that this movie was white supremacist. But then again, like white supremacy is a very slippery slope anyways, but I would say watch it and enjoy the experience. And I think, you know, a good movie can be applied to anybody, really. Anybody can empathize with it. And it was a really good movie. And I found ways to empathize empathize with it. My black queer self found a way to empathize with this like Nordic Viking movie. So there you have it. Um, I don't know what else I have to talk about. It's like 55 minutes already. I think I'm going to end it here. Um, but yeah, thank you for tuning into the first episode of American Schizo. I promise we're going to get a little bit more crazy in the future, a little bit, a little bit more fringe. Um, this is just, you know, my first episode wanted to see how it went and I think it went pretty well. So yeah, please, if you're listening to this on Spotify, please, you know, give a follow. If you're listening to this on YouTube, please like and subscribe. And yeah, um, peace out.